Hey everybody, Cordy Walker, your host here on the Golf Science Lab podcast. Just wanted to jump in and give a quick intro for today's show. If you did not know, we produced this podcast called The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero, and it's an awesome look as he's taking us behind the scenes of instruction on tour. We are a little over a month in. We've had some amazing episodes, some great feedback from all of you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for making it part of your weekly routine, just like you have the Golf Science Lab. And if you haven't listened today on this podcast, we're going to play one of the Tour Coach episodes. This is an interview with Brad Gell. He is a player that you might not have heard of yet, but I'm sure that you will. Tony and Brad, they dive into his mindsets and kind of his story and what he's working on right now. And I love the insights here into what we can learn from Brad. So we're going to run this episode this week and we'll be back next week with a new Golf Science Lab episode. Make sure to subscribe to the Tour Coach as well. There's an awesome Vineyard Vines giveaway that you need to listen in for the details for because you can win a $100 gift card pretty easily. So check that out. All right, let's get to it. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. So on this edition of The Coach, sit down here at the Dome with one of the guys I teach who played at Oklahoma State, Brad Gale. And Brad is one of the first players we're going to put up here that isn't playing on the PGA Tour. He's played a little web. He's currently playing in PGA Tour China. And the reason I wanted to bring him on was I think his story is fascinating. His outlook on golf, to me, is special. I think his will to get better And to find ways to get where he's going and his belief in himself are different. I ultimately think it will lead him to the PGA Tour. He works with Greg Carton, who you've heard on the show. He works with Colby Touye. We all work close together. And his belief in his team, his belief in where he's going is different. And it starts all the way back with from junior golf and him walking on at Oklahoma State, not being super highly recruited or being anything special, to be honest but believing that he belonged there and that he could learn something from the best players in the world and learn something from playing at Oklahoma State and that he could get to where he could beat them, all the way to living in Jupiter, Florida, and the guys he hangs out with and he plays with and that he's friends with. And I think it's a really cool story, and I think the fact that Brad's willing to pack up all of his stuff and go to China to find a place to play golf, to earn his way to the web.com and the PGA Tour says something about him and says something about what it takes to be great in this game. And I think you'll enjoy as I sit down with Brad Gale. Hey, everyone. If you like free golf gear, and specifically Vineyard Vines, which is amazing stuff, we have a giveaway for you. First off, thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm really enjoying The Tour Coach, and I hope that it's become part of your weekly routine as well. And we want to help more people find the show, but we need your help. Here's how. Post a screenshot of the Tour Coach podcast episode that you're enjoying the most and tag at Golf Science Lab or Tony at the Dew Sweeper Instagram or Twitter, the two places to do that. Post these photos of your favorite episode, tag us, and you are entered to win a Dew Sweeper Vineyard Vines polo and a $100 gift card for Vineyard Vines. 
Does it get any better than that? So help us share this show. You have two weeks to enter. So limited time. And the more times that you post, the more entries you get. Let's do this. So we're sitting here in the Dew Sweeper Dome after a good couple of days work with Dew Sweeper. Brad Gale hails from Jupiter, Florida now. So I thought it'd be good, Brad, to have you sit in here. You know, I think when folks would used to email in or write in, everybody talking to the radio show, everybody, I think everybody thinks that the journey to being a PGA Tour player is the same for everybody, you know? And so I teach a lot of good junior players, and they all would look at the Robbie Shelton's and the Bobby Wyatt's and they would feel like that if they weren't one of those, I use those as examples because I know them, but that, that if that they didn't have a chance to get there. And I think your story is an interesting one. And I think it's interesting for anybody that is trying to improve at the game because, you know, we've worked now for over a year, year and a half. You've made big strides. But to me, the cool thing about you is that your belief that you're going to get there and that you're going to be an elite player. And I think that's different. I mean, I've taught a bunch of good players that were extremely talented that didn't have that belief and probably didn't make it because of that. And I want to talk a little bit about your story. So take us through, to me, one of the most fascinating parts of the whole thing is Coach McGraw. You played at Oklahoma State and, you know, you're at a junior tournament. So tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at the big eye. It was after the first round, and Coach was out there. He was taking notes kind of in the practice round. They had like a long drive contest, mm-hmm. and on the, I think it was the 10th hole, and I, and I like rope hooked one out there, like three something, and he, he wrote my name down because I was, I mean, I was five, three, five, four at the time. I was nothing, you know, weighed 135 pounds. But yeah, after the first round, I went out and hit some golf balls, and it was like, it was, I mean, 95 North Carolina heat. It was hot, and he came up within five minutes and just sat down right behind me, and so I was like, and I saw the hat and I was pretty, you know, obviously intimidated yeah. by it. And, and I, I mean, I wasn't even getting recruited by Indiana or Purdue because they took the first and second player on my high school team already. And, and I had nowhere to go really. And so I was the third best on my high school team at the time, but I could hit a golf ball pretty well. And that was about, so the fact that he sat down right behind me, I was just like, well, I'm going to hit every shot that I can think of. And I did for two hours. He, he wouldn't leave. And my mom even came up to me about an hour into it. And she's like, what are you doing? You're going to exhaust yourself. And I'm like, I'm not going to stop until he leaves. So two hours later, I get up. And Coach McGraw will sit there forever. Oh, he's, he's not going to move. Yeah. He, we, said, we said three words that whole time. And it was just an introduction. And that was it. And, you know, afterwards, I was so fired up. I shot a million the next day because I was so tired. But I was, I was just really fired up. And, and I wrote him an email and basically said, yeah, call me, you know, Sunday night at 8 o'clock. And I pretty much called him Sunday night at eight o'clock for about three months straight. Mm-hmm. And, and his, to the point where his wife is like, who keeps calling on Sunday? And that, and it was me. I just, he, I recruited him and there was kind of an opportunity at the time at OSU because not many O nines were going there because the team was so good that they had an opportunity for two walk-ons and it was myself and uh, Kevin Doherty who's actually, you know, he missed his, he missed his tour card by, you know, half an inch last right. year if you were watching. So, yeah, it, it was an awesome, it was just an opportunity that I was very lucky to have, plain and simple. And I was willing to go get my teeth kicked in at OSU just to get better and learn. So that's kind of the point. Like, I think that it's interesting as a teacher, it's been interesting to watch because when you teach guys that are playing for a living, you have all spectrums of players, you know, mm-hmm. you have in different, 
everybody has different opinions of themselves. And I, I've told you a million times, I, I honestly believe you're going to make it because you believe you belong out there. Yeah. And you talked about the willingness to get your teeth kicked in. And I don't know that the, there's not a lot of players out there that I think are okay with getting their teeth kicked in to learn. I mean, it's a hard thing to do. It's not easy. And that's something that's, you know, maybe I'm that way by nature that I'm okay with throwing myself in the fire, but it's not easy. It's something I got to practice and and be aware of. And, and, and it's not easy at times, but I always found the best way to get better was just kind of that trial by fire. I mean, it's like, learning how to ski you go to the top of the mountain figure out how to get down and and it was and oklahoma state was a lot like that i i I was really lucky to get an opportunity and i was way out of my league there but i just i kind of saw myself keep getting better and then that's you know when when i when i did finish up school i was the eighth ninth man on the team i wasn't even playing but i still thought i could play pro golf so you're not you're not recruited by Indiana or Purdue, right? Oh, yeah. And they're not. I mean, no. You're doing a nice job nowadays, especially at Purdue. You know, Coach Robert. Bradley's oh, doing yeah. a great job, right? Awesome. But they're. I mean, they're not. You know, when we think of golf programs, right? Yeah, they're they're good teams. They get the best players in Indiana, but it's not. You know. So you're not recruited by them, but you go to Oklahoma State, who. Yeah. If you pick the top five programs in the country year in, year out, they're, they're, they're one, right? They're going to have yeah. their pick of the talent. Yeah. And so you go there, and you, you know you're going to get your teeth kicked in. What did you learn playing for Coach McGraw, playing at Oklahoma State? I just learned how much the, the little things that he did mattered. I mean, just the details of everything. And, and, and I didn't even... I didn't respect that even then, but more so now, just the details and the diligence of his work and everything that he did, everything that it kind of takes to be a good player, just the practice, the discipline of it, the, you know, the day in and day out routine that he was, I mean, if you know Coach McGraw, he is so in the routine of everything, everything, he's very the same, Mm -hmm. he's going to get the same khaki pants every day, every day, white shirt, Uh, yeah, khaki opponents so bad, but I mean, it's, but that's his thing, and that's what it takes to get better. And and I and I and I see that now. I find myself doing things that he preached in college now because I'm trying to do it for a living. And I always tell young upcoming students one of the things that I think that the best players in the world do is that they take care of the little things that are within their control. Yep. They pay attention to the details. And when I look at a lot of guys that are super talented, maybe playing mini tours or college players at smaller programs that don't get as good as they should, I don't think it's talent. Mm -hmm. I think it's the ability to understand the importance of doing the little things, monitoring the things you can't control. And I think that, so when I look at you, one of the easy things about coaching you is you've already got that figured out yeah, and you've allowed that to help, you know, push you to what you are today yeah and and it's been and that was the coolest thing is i just it didn't register until i it was funny i got a job after college picking range balls at the dye preserve in south florida (laughs) and all those kind of things that coach preached us at oklahoma state the things you can control the time management that he harped on so much i mean there's a reason that when he says seven o'clock the entire team's there at 6 45 i mean the the little things like that Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that till I got a job and I still wanted to practice and play pro golf. So it all kind of came to fruition then. And that's kind of when it all started registering for me, how much those little details and stuff mattered. And then that's kind of when I saw myself get a little better and, and start, you know, shooting some better numbers. All right. 
right, Tony, we're going to try out a new segment on the podcast. This is Tony's Restaurant Picks this week for the Valero Texas Open Week in San Antonio. Where are we headed? Well, I mean, San Antonio, where I went to college, St. Mary's University. So I go out there a pretty good bit. A bunch of my college buddies, Rich Dupre and Big Al Miller, live there. And so, you know, but when I go there, I'm always looking for barbecue. And, you know, there's lots of trendy new barbecue places in the city. But I really always go to two places. And Rudy's Barbecue, the old mainstay right out there off of I-10, the original one. It's also in a gas station or a gas station's part of it. Me and the guys ate there after play or, you know, during the week, during Valero Texas Open this year. And and then, of course, you know, my favorite watering hole in San Antonio is just a, a dive bar not far from Rudy's called the Silver Fox. And you can actually get a tombstone frozen pizza there if you want, if you get hungry late night. So those are that's my favorite places. And there's tons of great food. Tons of great places in San Antonio. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for where I like to go when I'm out there for work or to duck into when I'm in town, that's uh, two of my favorite spots all year. What are we getting at Rudy's? Is it brisket? Is it ribs? A little bit. I mean, we ate everything. In fact, I saw Lucas eat more meat than I'd ever seen a human eat and and sep. And and, I mean, but I, I, you know, the brisket's amazing, but they also have turkey that is really good. I mean, the whole thing is good. It's just authentic real texas barbecue i mean it's so good and then you've got uh ice cold lone star right there like in the little they're in like little metal bins right when you walk in the beers on ice bottles and ice and so while you're in line you can grab a lone star and drink a beer which is right up my alley this sounds like the perfect spot for uh for a week out on tour yeah yeah it's uh, you know again we've talked about the importance to me of people eating together and in the community and so you know, San Antonio is kind of like two of my favorite stops all year, San Antonio and New Orleans. New Orleans and San Antonio because of, one, I know people there, spend a lot of time in both cities. I feel comfortable in both places, and I and I have favorite spots that I like to go to. Perfect. That is the San Antonio recommendation. Can we call you the Greg Popovich of restaurant picking for golf? Should that be your, your new nickname here? I normally, you know, actually, I, I love restaurants, but I, I'll tell you what, I, my guys pick, are great at picking them. Lucas, is, Lucas, obviously, being on tour as many years as he does, has a great selection of restaurants to go to. So the majority of the time, he gives some pretty good restaurant advice. I wouldn't call me the Popovich. I'd probably host him a little bit like Popovich drinking wine, but... Uh, Anyways, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Stay tuned for uh, coming weeks as we'll cover your favorite wines, other restaurants, rum, and many more. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, back to the interview. Nobody's ever going to question your want to, right? No. Oh, I yeah. mean, your ability, you're wanting to learn from the times I'm down in Jupiter working with the other guys. Be your there and ready to go the minute that there's a free hour right you've got a free off week this week you drive up to mobile to hang out and we're going to work two three four hours you know so you take the kick at getting kicked in the teeth mm-hmm. couldn't play at purdue and indiana go to oklahoma state you learn all this stuff now i think you've taken the kicked in the teeth to another level because obviously through playing at oklahoma state you get to know ricky fowler you're good friends with ricky mm-hmm. one of the best players you know, I think a combination of not only one of the best players in the world, but one of the best people in the world and the best professionals in the world. For sure. 
and you take that relationship, you live in Jupiter, you play with him, practice with him all the time. The friendships with Justin Thomas, who's yeah. one of the two or three best players in the world. For my money, I think he's the best player in the world right now. Yeah. Amongst all the other great players, the Tom Love ladies, the, yeah. you know, Kevin Tways, all the tour players down there. And yeah. you're playing with them every day. Yeah. And I've been on the other side of the phone from you when you've called and you like, you're pissed because you got oh. your teeth kicked in. Yeah. But tell us about getting your teeth kicked in from them and what you've learned and then how excited you were when you finally beat JT the other day. Yeah, I just think there's something to be said about not being afraid to bet those guys, whether it's, you know, I got to whether you want to get a drink after the round, whether it's for 10. There's it's not doesn't have to be for a lot of money, but you want to win and you want to beat them. And, And those guys are the best in the world. I'm very lucky that I get to go play golf with them and. That I'm in the same you know area that we can go, and I'm good friends with, and we can go play golf. I mean, it's it's awesome. But in that, yeah, it it, it really is. It makes me better when I because it pisses me off when I lose to them. Mm-hmm. I hate it. And and but if anyone's looking at a world ranking or this or that or Latin tour to the PGA tour, there's like there's no way that kid's gonna beat him. But that's how I think you get better is you just keep running against that wall until you break through. And yeah, the other day I beat Justin, it felt great. I mean, it really did. And Kevin was in the group too. And I beat him too. And it's, and it's not, I mean, they didn't play their best golf, but I played well enough to, to beat them. And, and it's a small thing because for them, it's just practice. But for, and, and for me, it's practice as well. But I like taking those strides and I like building confidence on stuff like that. I mean, I think it's, I really think it's a great way to get better. It's just not be afraid to go ahead and challenge guys that are much better than you because I think that's who you want to beat someday. I mean, it really is. Well, we have a saying, you and I, we always talk, and we always talk about the fact that you're a way better player today mm-hmm. than you were a year ago at the same day. Yeah, that's, yeah. And, and I think that's a very important part of improving. And sometimes being a better player doesn't mean you have better status. Yeah. yeah. Or that you made $400 more, $1,000 more in a year, mm-hmm. but you're a better player and you're better positioned for what you're trying to do. So you told us what Coach McGraw, what you learned from him, which I think is what set you up to do what you're trying to do. Yeah. What have you learned from getting your teeth kicked in by Ricky and Justin and mm-hmm. those guys down there in Jupiter? I think more specifically, it's the day in and day out consistency of it. Those guys show up to the golf course, then they know what they're going to do with the golf ball. They know how they're going to react when things don't go well, when things do go well. And they have a fallback plan on any kind of situation. They know themselves well enough to play the shots that they want to play to to beat me. And that's what I've noticed with them is the day in and day out. And that's what I respect so much about Justin is that when we go play, I mean, he, he could, he could slack it off and just kind of have some fun. But when I say, Hey, let's, let's get a game going. He's fired up. I mean, he's ready to go. And, and it doesn't, and and that's it hats off to him because it, he could just, yeah, I don't want to play or I got mm-hmm. this going, but, th- but he's fired up and he wants to not beat me on 18. He wants to beat me on 15. He wants to try and beat me on 12. And right. that's been, and I think that's what I've noticed the most out of those guys is that they don't want to win. They win to win by a lot and they know how they're going to do it. And that's something that I had to really think about myself. What, what do I have to do myself to beat these guys? Not what they do, but you can kind of learn and pick off things that Ricky does, Justin does and I mean, any good player, I mean, any good player, even at your club, if they chip it better than you, what do they do that they chip it better than you at? And different things like that. And that's kind of what I've picked off more specifically playing with those guys. 
even as a teacher, like I think you learn a lot from hanging around great players. Yeah. And so when I'm in down and, and I go down there and you go out to Bears Club or you go to Medalist, you're going to be around a bunch of those guys. For sure. And, you know, whether it's watching what Lucas Glover does work with him, whether it's you, it's Tom Lovelady, or you're watching Justin work with his dad and practice and you see Ricky at Medalist and all those things. To me, they all know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They all have a plan for how to beat you. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing to me is every one of them's different and they don't try to be something other than themselves. Oh, and that's, that's the whole thing right there. Bo Van Pelt said something to me he, he, way back, you know, when I was leaving college. He's like, you really have to know yourself. You got to know what you're doing. And I, I'll never forget it. It was my first web event at Victoria National, which is a you know, hard, hard golf, golf course. That was my first web event. And I was lucky enough to get a sponsor invite there. And I hit my drive right down the middle on, on 10. And then I had a hybrid in. It was like 240 or something like that. And I was sitting there and I was like, I have no idea what to do. I mean, I, I really didn't. I was like, do I want to hit a draw? Do I want to hit a cut? And I kind of laughed because that Bo's voice was kind of right there. It said, what do you do? I said, well, I got a long way to go to figure that out. Because I'm, you know, this is the time to go. And mm-hmm. I didn't, and I didn't know what shot to play. And over time, I, I, you know, now I know what I'm going to do with that shot. But that was something that really resonated. And those guys, they're never going to have that thought when they're on the golf course that they know what they're going to do in the situations that are tough, kind of, you know. Right. You know, and that's, but that's one specific situation for me. I kind of really, really was like, okay, what do I got to do here? And then had to figure it out from there. I think that becoming a great player is less about mechanics. I think, you know, swing coaches, like I said, I mean, we, we give you the fundamentals and we, we help you. Your golf swing certainly improved a ton. But I think that the, it's those steps that you were just talking about, like Bo Van Pelt, like, yeah. right? And I think that you have grown to know the type of shot you want to play. Mm-hmm. You've learned to know, you said the other day, hey, my game is keeping it in front of me. Hit it plenty far, but keeping it in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm a great wedge player. And, and and so you understand what you have to do to be successful. And I think that there's, I've seen it. I've mm-hmm. seen lots of very talented, really good players lose their way because they get away from who they are yeah. and their identity and they try to be somebody different. And I think that one really good trait of your game is that you, I mean, you play against the best players in the world and you're pushing yourself to get there, but you're not trying to be Ricky Fowler's game. You're not trying to hit it like him or try to hit it. You're just trying to beat them with your game. And I mm-hmm. think there's a big difference between trying to have their game and trying to beat them with your game. Yeah. And, and that's something I can say comfortably now. But I tell you what, I mean, it's when I first moved down to Jupiter and I played with all those guys and, 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 you know, I played with Ricky, even a guy like Daniel Berger, who's got a a different move, but can move the golf ball. I was trying to do the stuff that they did Mm -hmm. because that's what I saw. So again, it's not, it wasn't something that was just natural. I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to know my, you know, this is how it's, it's going to be for me to be a great player. I was trying to pick off from all these different guys down there, but then somewhere along the way, I realized that. I was making a ton of bogeys. I was I was making enough birdies, but I was doing a lot of things that wasn't myself. And then that's and I'm very comfortable saying that as a pro golfer, you know, I was trying to pick off all these things, but trying to make them my own. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was sitting on the range and I kind of realized that I'm better with a cut. I'm better not trying to hit it a mile. I'm better wedging the golf ball. And those things, 
And then I went and I played some rounds in, in tournaments thinking that about how I play this game. And then that's when I saw consistency. That's when I saw my numbers get better on my bad days. But it, it, it wasn't an overnight thing. It really took some time to what do I have to do to keep the ball kind of in front of me and keep it and keep my game to myself. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, you're right. You're spot on saying that it's, you see so many guys that get out on tour from, from web or whatever, and they try doing other things with the golf ball because that's what they see. Cause those guys out there are no joke. I'm lucky enough that I'm not on tour and I see those things and I can learn. I, and that's again, why I think I believe that I can get to where I want to go and be successful there. It doesn't matter when I get there, but I've been lucky enough to learn these lessons now and try and own them that, when I do get there, it's going to be, it's, I, I, hopefully I can be successful. And, and I think you will. And, and as we kind of sort of wrap this up, I mean, yeah. I, you said that it's not a matter of when. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important point for anybody trying to get better at anything in golf or really life. I mean, you're going to yeah. get there when you get there. Yeah. And you're going to get there, I believe, at the right time for you. And I think that there's, I've seen too many players get the opportunity to have a tour card when they weren't ready for it and fail, mm-hmm. lose confidence, not be very successful, you're better to get the PGA Tour card five or six years later. I mean, look at Pat and Kazire, right? But you're better to get the tour card or get to where you're trying to go to when you're prepared and when you're ready for the success yeah. than to have it too early. Because I think getting it too early when you're unprepared at any level can cause you to lose your way and lose your confidence and lose your ability. And I couldn't. I couldn't believe that more. And and it's look, it's easy to say that for a guy that's for I've played a lot on Latin and I'm not there yet, but I firmly believe that the sacrifices it makes to be a good tour player and the time, the commitment that when I do get there, I want to be ready and I want to stay there. I mean, I right. want to and I've taken confidence in shortcomings in the fact that maybe I just wasn't ready and how are we going to get better? And I think that's a hard thing to do, but I firmly believe that, you know, when you get there, you got to be ready and in every facet and every facet of your game and, and in your mental game and everything like that. And it's, and that's just something that I'm very comfortable in, in my kind of path and journey with this game is that I think when I do get there, I'll be ready and it'll be fun. Awesome stuff, Brad. Thanks oh, for awesome. one. Thanks for coming up to the dome and thanks for sitting in and hopefully I think some folks are going to get some out of this is obviously something new with yeah. the do sweepers we're doing and putting some stuff out, kind of some insight into players and, you know, different things for folks to listen to. But I think this is interesting. Your path is different. And I think that it'll help everybody's path is different. And I think where people get off track is trying to make their path be the same as everybody else. And our job as teachers is to help you maximize your path yeah, and, and make you ready for when, when you get the chance on the right stage. So appreciate you sitting in. And best of luck. And just promise me we'll sit down and do this again when you get your PGA. No, this is great, T. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast, you can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab. 
and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. There's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Douche Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Douche Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors. Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dosweepersgolf.com, or you can always check me out on Instagram at the Dew Sweeper.